Harlan. Well, this podium is this podium is too small for me to stand on it. No, I'm just joking. Um, oh, I am so excited to be with you all. Uh, you are second year, right? So you kind of a little bit kind of know me, but I want to wave to the first year because I know you don't know me, but I wish I could see you face to face. I know we're going to have a lunch and learn with that lunch at 12.30 for you. I just wanted to be able to see your face on first year because I just, I just love you all and I'm just excited to be here. But this morning, I have a message that's going to be very unconventional. Yeah, haha. Um, it's a message actually that the Lord gave to me. He told me actually quite a few, four years ago. He spoke a word to me and it's like I just knew in my heart that was from the Lord. He said, you know, you need to prepare my church for that. And I kind of, because I was so, Luda, my daughter, oh, um, I, 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 you just, no, I just lost my train of thoughts. I saw my beautiful Ukrainian daughter, um, but the Lord spoke to me and I knew it was, it, it was the Lord. And, but because I, I, you know, I travel so much, I go here, there, and stuff, it was so, that I kind of didn't take the time to really get into it, and I put it on the shelf, and then a few weeks ago, the Lord told me, he said, so when are you going to do it? And I knew it was something that I needed to do. So this message is a message, you're the, you know, I, I, this week is the first time I shared it. I shared it with some of the other students, but I just felt that it's so important for all of us. And the, if you'd had to put a title to it, it's, are you ready for it? And you're like, ready for what? Are you ready for persecution? Because, you know, we, we love it that we, you know, in Mark, or I remember when I first became a Christian, you know, uh, and God told me, to, told me to pack my bag, leave everything, and come to the U.S. where I didn't know anybody. You know, he gave me that scripture in Mark 10, uh, 30. He says, you shall receive, you know, if you leave family and lands and, you know, everything. He said, you shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Amen. Houses and brothers. Brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands. And we're like, yay, hallelujah. That was a promise that God gave me. But we never read the second part of the verse. Amen. With persecution. Yeah. And you know, we even, all of us, you know, we read the chapter of, the, 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 of faith. You know, the heroes of faith. They shut the mouth of lions. They conquered kingdoms. They, uh, they received the promises. They raised the dead. I mean, all of that. I mean, the, the chapter of faith. I mean, it's like, so, but you know, we never read, never read the last part of that verse. And let me read it to you. Glory to God. In Hebrew chapter 11, in, 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 it says, yeah, women receive their dead to life again, he said, but others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mock mocking and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sewn in two. Anybody wants, any volunteer? 
They were sown in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. And they wandered in desert, I mean, on and on. You see, we, we think, I mean, and I'm, I'll, I teach faith. I teach faith, but all of a sudden I realize that there is also faith is not just to conquer, to overcome, to walk in authority and to receive the promises. There is a faith, the faith to stand for the name of Jesus, the faith to continue into the course no matter what persecution comes our way. But the problem, I don't know about you. But uh, in my 33 years, I never heard one sermon about be prepared for persecution. Now, I, I, thank you. It's true, isn't it? I've never heard anybody teach about get ready for persecution and what to do, have what posture and what must do and get ready for persecution. Because you know what I found out is persecution is part of our call. I mean, in Matthew, in Matthew 24, Jesus even warned of the end time. And he said, hey, one of the things that will happen in the end time is many will be offended. The love of, of many will grow cold. And he said, you will suffer persecution. And you know, it's like, have you ever experienced when all of a sudden you want to buy like a, a new car, let's say, or, or a car? And all of a sudden you look around and you're like, okay, what do I want to buy? I like an example. You might want to buy, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, um, Santa Fe, Hyundai Santa Fe, you know. And you start looking and all of a sudden, before that, you never saw them. And then the moment you start looking for it, you see it everywhere. And the same thing happened to me as I started to look on persecution. I realized that the Bible from cover to cover is filled with scriptures and with, with, with about persecution. Amen. And especially in the New Testament, Jesus talked about it. But the, all the apostles were talking when they were teaching the disciples, when they were talking to the church, they always spoke, be ready for persecution. And know it will come. Here is, for example, I mean, you know, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Paul said, anyone who desires to live godly, anybody here? We all, that's why you're here. But you know, he says, anyone who desires to live godly will suffer persecution. It is not an if and maybe. He said that will be something that will happen. Oh, glory to God. Jesus even talked about it. And listen, in, I love that. In Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, listen to what Paul said. Therefore... 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy. I'll jump ahead. To establish you and encourage you concerning your faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. And the word affliction is the word thlipsis, which is persecution. He said, for you yourself know that we are appointed to this. 
For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation or persecution just as it happened. Paul, every time any church he went to, wherever he traveled, he taught them their identity, their authority, the grace of God, but he always warned them and taught them and prepared them about persecution. Amen. We are warned about persecution all through the Bible. Why? So you, you and I can prepare. We have to prepare for it. I mean, John 16, verse 1. He said, these things I've spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. John 16, 33. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. And in the context, Jesus was talking about affliction, persecution. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we and you and I have to prepare Posture ourselves and, 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 and know that it is part of the call of a disciple. So that's something that we should never be taken by surprise. And here is the thing. If you are not prepared in your heart, expecting it and knowing that it, it will, it could and will and might and it will happen, then there will be an element of surprise. And you know that surprise is half the battle. If you are not, if you are taken by surprise, you will be made to stumble. But if you are prepared and you prepare your heart and you know exactly what it is and how to deal with it, you will overcome. And the first thing we need to know is persecution is not personal. My friend, it's not after you the devil is after. It's after the word of God, the message, the kingdom. It's, it's two kingdoms clashing. You know, when Jesus was talking about the end of time, he was saying there will be nations, plural, against nations. Kingdom, singular, against kingdom. You know what he was talking about? Persecution happened when the kingdom of darkness goes against the kingdom of light. It's not you. It's not personal. Don't take it personally. Why are they speaking against me? Why are they doing this to me? Why are they whatever? It's against God himself and the kingdom and the message and the name of Jesus that he is after. That, to me, it's comforting. Well, somewhat. <laughs> Knowing that this not, but when somebody sends me hate emails and calls me a Jezebel or calls me a demon or calls me like they did Jesus, I don't take it personally. I'm like, hey, Jesus, they hated you, they hate me. Because we are in this world, but we are not of this world. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. And so the first thing we need to know is quitting, shrinking back, and being silent in the face of persecution is not an option for us. It cannot be an option. We've got to know that when we get persecuted, we have got to keep our ground and stay bold and strong in the Lord because shrinking back is not an option. Listen to what the word of God says. Did you know that the book of Hebrew, the whole book of Hebrew, which I cannot believe Paul wrote it, but that's not proven completely. It's all about standing against persecution. 
It was about the Jews that had accepted Jesus. And then all of a sudden they were buckling down because they were saying, no, Jesus, no, no, no. And because they were under the pressure, many of them were defecting. Many of them were abandoning the faith. And so the whole book of Hebrew, it's about, no, don't give up. Don't shrink back. And listen to what it says. I'm speaking fast because I've got so much I want to share. I'm sorry. I hope you can put buckle up, put your seatbelt and hallelujah. Hebrew chapter 10 verse, uh, uh, um, it says, recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulation. And I'll jump. Joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. I mean, think about it. What, how will you feel if all of a sudden the IRS is starting to harass you? And that's happened many times. As a form of persecution for any Christian or any person that is fighting for the truth, all of a sudden there are the, 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 the IRS coming and harassing people. It's happened. It's just a little parenthesis. That's one form of plundering your goods. It's silent in this church this morning, but it is true. They plundered their good back then. How will they do it today? They'll start harassing you with lawsuits and, 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 and audit again and again from the IRS to plunder you, to demoralize you, to weaken you, to get you to stop fighting for the truth and stop standing for the word of God and for all rights as Christians. Okay, let's close the parenthesis. But listen to what it says. The, ju- the just... We'll live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in it. So knowing this, it's like, Lord, I, I, I've, got, I've got a purpose in my heart. I've got to make an intentional decision of being aware that persecution can and will happen. And that you posture your heart just like Daniel did in Daniel 1.8. It says here is a young man that was transplanted from Jerusalem into Babylon, which was one of the most wicked, you know, place. And that young man, maybe 16, 17 years old, I don't know. He says he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. And so that's the decision. We have to stop and think and know that whatever eventual persecution might happen in our life when we start taking a stand, we've got to say, I'm going to purpose in my heart not to quit, not to draw back, not to shrink back. And you know, can I say something? Because Jesus warned us. He said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. They persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Can I suggest that if there is no persecution or any kind of form of persecution in your life, that maybe you're not preaching the right message or you're not taking the right stand? You know, for me personally, I'm like, you know, and I don't do it in a, you know, in a weird way because the Bible says, you know, beware if all men speaks well of you. 
And we understand the love of God that we have to, you know, give to love people. We are called to love, express the love of God. But yet we also understand that love will sometimes offend, that love will sometimes, love will speak truth. And we know that, yeah, I am to love everybody, but yes, I understand that what I say, what I stand for will not automatically be accepted by everybody. And if there are people standing against you, it does not mean, you know, don't buckle thinking, I'm supposed to love everybody and I'm supposed to be loved by everybody. No, 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 no. Yes, you are supposed to love everybody, but you will not automatically be loved by everybody. Don't, let's not get into that twisted, false sense of love. That's what the problem is today. It's some of the churches are not speaking out and doing anything. Let's love everybody. And we want to be loved by everybody. No, no. Jesus told us, beware if all men speaks well of you. That means, okay, what are you standing up for? What are you preaching? Are you preaching the name of Jesus, the word of God, the truth, and the message of grace? Hallelujah. And you know what, here is the important thing. It says once we take a stand and we choose, amen, and we realize, okay, I understand. Persecution might come and will come. I mean, Jesus, I'm trying to be nice when I say might, but the Bible said will. And, and let me say this. You know, I traveled in a lot of nations where people are persecuted, tortured, put in prison, for the name of Jesus. And I, I heard a man, he was an Egyptian man. I didn't meet him personally, but I heard what he said, and it stuck to me and stuck with me or to me or whatever. Both. <laughs> and he said that man, when he became a Christian and converted from Islam into Christianity, he got imprisoned, tortured nonstop uh, for, for days. But then, he, 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 when he, God just he made a supernatural way for him to escape, he said something. He said, in the world, there are only two zones. There is either the comfort zone or the conflict zone. And in the world, you see nations where Christians are imprisoned, tortured. Amen. But the problem in America, you know, is we, and it's, okay, Lord. In America, we have so much enjoyed prosperity, and prosperity comes from God. We have so much enjoyed freedom. The problem is today many people take it for granted and don't realize that they could just like this lose it overnight. How you vote determines which way it will go. I've seen what socialism and communism will do to a nation and to a people. And the problem is America, we have so been lulled by comfort and prosperity that we don't have that awareness that as Christian, you can and will be persecuted. And we've got to come to that place. Amen. Glory to God. And that means that when we realize that and we take a stand, we've realized that as believers and as true disciple of Jesus who can expect and know that 
persecution comes with the call of a true disciple. That's what Jesus said. Did you notice in Mark chapter 8, in Luke chapter 9, in Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus said, and let me read it, in Luke 9, verse 22 through 24, he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elder, the chief priest, scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. But then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And I'll jump in the verse 26. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the son of man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory. Here Jesus was talking that as a true disciple of Jesus Christ, amen, we will suffer persecution, tribulation. But if you really want to be a true disciple, you're going to have to learn to crucify the self. And when I say self, I mean the self-reputation. The self-preservation, the self-protection, the big self. You know, that's what happened. When persecution come, all of a sudden, the, the, the fear of losing your reputation, your comfort, the love of, the, uh, of others, the, the, all every good thing, that fear of losing all of that rises up. And it's at that moment that you said, if I want to be a true disciple, I cannot try to save my life. I know that I'm going to lose it. But here is the good news. That if you choose to let that self crucify it when you are persecuted, say, okay, I don't care what people are going to think of me. I don't care if I lose this or lose that or lose anything. What is important is I'm standing for God, standing for the faith, standing for strength and, that, and for, for faith. And at that moment, something happens powerful. You remember uh, uh, in Revelation, I believe it's in Revelation 12, uh, verse 11, it says, They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. And we often quote the, that verse, but we leave the last part. And they did not love their lives to the death. There is something that happened when we have that in our heart, when we're like, I don't care whatever is going to have to die in my life to stand the faith and to keep that, you know, in the faith and to, to not buckle down before the, the persecution. Something happened. You start experiencing the glory of God. The power of God. Did you know, and I, the Lord showed me one day. He says, that passage that I'm talking about in Luke 9, in Mark 8, and Matthew 16, where Jesus is telling the disciples, you cannot have the mentality of trying to protect, save the big self. You're going to have some time to let it die. You're going to have to lose things. But you will gain something. We've got to know that the gain is worth the pain. Because right after when you read those passages, I mean, go and check it out. After those three passages, what is coming after is the Mount of Transfiguration. And what is it? It's when Jesus was with 
James, Peter, and John. And all of a sudden, Jesus was glorified. And Jesus represents the body of Christ. And he was in the presence of Moses and Elijah, which Moses represents the Christ, the, the believers dead in Christ. And Elijah represents the church that will be caught up in the air with the Lord. And what Jesus was saying, guys, if you are willing to crucify, to carry your cross, to lose something, to die to other things, to take the stand when you are persecuted, on the other side of it, there is the glory of God. There is the power of God that you cannot experience any other way. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much you fast for the glory of God, for the power of God. You cannot Tap into that kind of glory and power without going through the cross from the dying of self in face of persecution. That's what Paul was preaching. He said, oh God, that I may know you, the the power of your resurrection. We all want the power of the resurrection. But he said... First, I'll have to know the fellowship of your suffering. And we know the suffering was the persecution. And he said, and he talked about also death. Amen. Oh, Shatana Mahasiri. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. The conform, you know, conforming to his death and his suffering is standing strong in the face of persecution. Hallelujah. But you know, here is the good news. It's like in face of persecution. God says, hey guys, expect to know that you will be persecuted when you take a stand. But know that there is a grace for it. I'm not going to leave you alone to fend for yourself, to try to make it on your own. There's going to be, if you are willing to stand, if you are willing to be that disciple, there is a grace available for it. You remember when Paul, I mean, that guy's been persecuted more than anybody. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you know, when he said, because of the excellence of Revelation... A thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan was sent to me to buffet me. Buffet me is called a fizzo, which means like a boxer. One strike after another to make him fall so he doesn't rise up again. Like a boxer. And they said, and I pleaded with God three times that it may be removed from me. And that's, he was not talking, that thorn is not sickness. That thorn is a demon, a messenger of Satan that would influence people to stir up persecution. And when you look in the book of Acts, everywhere Paul went, he went to Antioch, to Derby, to Lystra, to Iconium. And everywhere he went, it's like people were stirring persecution to the point where they even stoned him to death, left him for dead. And they, you know, they thought he was dead, so they took him, threw him outside of the walls for the dogs to, to, to enjoy. And the disciples surrounded him and prayed. And what did Paul do? He stood up and went back preaching. Why? God says, hey, Paul, when he said, Lord, 
I pleaded with the Lord three times that he may remove it from me. But what did God say? And I paraphrase. Paul, I cannot stop. I cannot remove the persecution because it's part of the call. You are in this world and they hated me. They'll hate you. But my grace is sufficient for you. There is a grace and we can see the grace at work. Because everywhere Paul went, they beat him up, they imprisoned him, they stoned him, they did all kinds, and he just stood back up and went out again. And that grace is in order to strengthen you, to empower you. Oh, glory to God. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, let me get a little bit of oil in my motor. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, he said, You, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. In the complete Jewish Bible, he says, Be empowered by the grace. So how do you tap into that grace that is available to help you stand in the face of persecution? Because you and I, when you are under that pressure, it's easy to want to to fall apart and yield to the enemy and be intimidated by the voices of the enemies. How do you tap into that grace that is sufficient for us? The first thing you're going to have to do is choose to walk in humility. Remember, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. How do you, in that place, have a posture of humility? You realize you cannot be like Peter that thinks, I will never deny you. I will never leave you. I will go to you to the death. We cannot have that, that in our own strength. We cannot stand against persecution. But we understand that when I am weak, he's strong. In that posture of humility saying, Lord, I'm going to keep my eyes on you knowing it's going to be an opportunity for me to depend on you. And to see you working in me. And you know the second thing you have to do? You're going to have to rejoice. You cannot, when you are persecuted, you cannot take the position of a victim. Thinking, why me? I try to be a nice guy. I try to be, I try to help them. I try to bless them. And look what they're doing. Oh, No, no. Look at the disciples. When they were persecuted, they were beaten They came back and they said, Lord, we rejoice that we were counted worthy to suffer for your name. That is no victim mentality, my friend. They realize, man, now we are starting to look like the master. Now we are starting to sound like the master. Now we are starting to walk like the master. Because he was hated, we are hated. He was persecuted, we are persecuted. There is a joy knowing, oh, and like I said, it's not a twisted kind of joy. It's you understand. I'm taking a stand and I'm starting to sound, look, and act really like the master. And when you are like that, you can rejoice in the face of the persecution. Like I say, you see, when I get hate emails, when I get called all kind of names, when all of a sudden my partners are writing saying, how dare you, we are withdrawing our partnership, blah, 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 blah. I rejoice. I'm like, glory to God, I must be doing something right. 
Amen. But I don't do that in a blind way. That's someone that doesn't receive correction. But I know that when I speak a message that is truth, that cuts, that is like a hammer, I know and expect that some people won't like it. And when I get persecution, I'm like, it's not after me, they are, it's after the message, after the truth. And I rejoice to be counted worthy to suffer for his name. Amen. So we keep our eyes on him in a posture of humility and total dependence upon him. Because that's when the grace is released on our behalf. Amen. It's a place to worship. Rejoice and worship. I mean, look. You know, in the book of, I think it's in Psalm or Isaiah. Isaiah 40. You all know that scripture. Verse 20. Right, Tessa? Amen. Hallelujah, there is a strength available when we start to tap into worship. And when you are in the middle where the, you, you feel like you are that pressure of persecution, that pressure that wants to make you cave in, it's not a time to look around or look at your feelings and your emotion. It's a time to look up for where does my strength come from? My strength come from heaven, the maker of heaven and earth. And you start worshiping God. And this is what happened to Paul in Acts 16, verse 25. In the midst of persecution, in the cell, locked down, jailed, chained, in the, in the bottom of the pit, he chose to worship. And he didn't do a little low kind of worship. It was so loud that everybody heard it. But what happened? All of a sudden, the chains broke, the door opened, the earth shook, and the Spirit fell, and there was such a revival that nobody left. I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, it puzzled me. I'm like, here you have criminals in that jail. If the chain break, the door open, the first thing they're going to want to do is walk out of there. But they couldn't. Why? Because the power of God was holding them down to the ground. They're like, I want to go, but I can't. I'm glued to the ground. They had a revival in that cell because they chose to worship in the midst of persecution. Oh, hallelujah. So like I said, don't trust your feelings. Trust God and put your eyes on him. And this, the thing that I noticed that the disciples did in face of persecution, you know what they did? After being jailed, beaten up, they came back to their own company, Acts chapter 4. And they said, Lord, we were the, this is what happened. He said, but they prayed. He said, Lord, give us all boldness that we may preach your word boldly as we ought. By laying in your hands to heal all. What were they saying? They are trying to shut our mouth. But God, give us boldness. Give us courage that we are going to keep standing up and preach even more. When that's what it is. Persecution is to shut your mouth. And so they prayed for courage. They prayed for boldness so that they would not shut their mouth and shrink back and drop back and remain silent and low key. That's the temptation. Let's just get low key. No, you notice what they did? They went back out preaching even stronger, even bolder, with more courage. But you notice, after they prayed, and they said, Lord, give us courage, boldness, that we may preach out your word. You know what happened? 
the Spirit of God fell again. And he said they were all filled with the Spirit. Now, my friend, there is a connection there. When you are being persecuted, we saw there is a grace available, but you're going to have to hook up with the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Spirit in order to stand against the persecution. You remember what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, starting verse 15, he says, be wise. He said, do not be unwise, but walk circumspectly. And circumspectly, you see the word circumference, which means be aware of what's happening around. Be wise. Walk circumspectly, not as full, but as wise, redeeming the time. And do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. But, and I paraphrase, be being continually filled with the Spirit. Or you could say, be drunk with the Spirit of God. In order to stand against persecution, you're going to have to pray for more boldness. But how do you get that boldness? How do you get that courage? Through the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's why in Jude 20, it says, my beloved. What does it say? I just had a blank. Come on, brother. That's a, a, a scripture I know so well, and I just went, pew. <laughs> Be filled. Build yourself up on your most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. Let me say something. You and I, Bible school students, know that faith doesn't come from the Holy Spirit. Faith comes from the Word. Right. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith come with the word of God, but guess what? To have the courage, the boldness to speak out the word, you need to pray in the Holy Spirit and build yourself up with courage on your most holy faith. So even though you have faith, you'll have the boldness, the courage to speak it out. And go with me if you don't mind, even if you mind. To Proverbs 23, verse 35. Proverbs 23, verse 35. I'm going to ask if you could put it on the screen. Amen. Now, in the context of that passage, it's talking about wine and drinking, right? But listen to what it says. They have struck me. I mean, talking about somebody who's been drinking. They have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me up, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? <laughs> what is he saying? Have you, I mean, in my BC days, I've been, I've seen a lot of drunk. But you know, there is one thing that they will tell you. You can take a person that is so drunk, so inebriated, you can kick them, beat them up, they'll wake up, they won't feel a thing. They're like, where shall I wake? I may have another drink. It's like that drunkenness, it's almost like an immunity for pain. Okay, let me repeat it over there. 
that drunkenness is almost like an immunity or a shell, a protection for pain. So may I suggest that when you are be, being continually filled with the Spirit, they will persecute you. They will speak against you. They will do all kind of evil against you, but it won't hurt you. It won't, it won't hurt you. It won't affect you. Like a duck covered, you know, they, they feathers are covered with oil. And they go in the water, it just rolls over. Now, why is this so important? Why is it so important for you and I to have, you know, quote, unquote, that covering, that immunity against pain so we can forgive and we can stand in the face of the persecutor and walk in love? Remember what Jesus said. Oh, hallelujah. In Matthew 5, 44. I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now, the only way you can do that is if you are so filled with the Spirit that they beat you and you don't feel it. It's that Feel, you know, everything that I described and I say how to prepare you for persecution. But it's going to take you being filled with the Spirit so that when they persecute you, you don't take it personally. You don't feel the pain. But you look at them feeling and thinking, oh God, I know where I'm going. But that person, they don't understand. They don't know. They are lost. And all of a sudden, there is a compassion for that person. Just like Jesus did on the cross. Father, Father, forgive them. They know not what they are doing. Or like Stephen. Stephen, it says he was so full of faith and of the Spirit. Let me say that again. Stephen was so full of faith and of the Spirit that when they stoned him, he stood in the same way and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he said that the glory of God came upon him. And you know, why is it that when Paul prayed to God and said, Lord, please remove that. I'm being persecuted everywhere. Please take. And God says, I can't. But I can give you a grace to go through it and overcome it. Why? Because God loves us. But he also loves the persecutor. And listen to what the word of God says. In Luke 21, verse 12 and 13, he said, But before all of these, they shall lay hands on you, persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prison and being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn out for you for a testimony. Philippians 1, 12, the same thing. I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Paul knew something. 
He had a revelation that when you are being persecuted and when you are filled with faith and the spirit, you can, by the grace and the power of God, walk in the love of God to love, to forgive, to love, to pray for the persecutor because he know that will turn out that love will turn out for a testimony for that person. Do you know that's exactly what happened to Paul? That's what happened to him. You remember? He saw Stephen being stoned. He was there carrying, you know, holding all the coats. And he saw Stephen being stoned. And he's looking and all of a sudden he sees that young man, that guy, instead of you know, taking it personally, and instead of crying, say, why me? I try to help them. He saw him glorious, thinking, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He saw the love of God, and he turned all of a sudden. He saw that. He witnessed that in, in, in the face of persecution, all they could do is love, love. And because he saw that, it did something to his heart. It became like I call a prick in his heart. And you remember when he was in the soul in the road of Damascus. And all of a sudden he's with his companion. You know, ready to go and persecute more Christians. And he, they saw a light. They heard a voice. And Jesus spoke. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And what did Jesus say? Hey, Saul. It is hard to kick against the prick. What did he mean by that? What is that pre prick all about? That prick is what Paul saw. The love of God manifested in the face of persecution. And that became like a prick in his heart. That every time there was that anger, there was that, no, that, that, that hatred in his heart, that prick. It was like that image. That image was like pricking his heart constantly. Like, you know, a thorn. If you have a thorn, you can get it out. You can get rid of it. And it's deep and it hurts. And it's like... It throbs, right? That's what happened to Paul. What he saw when he saw a disciple of Jesus Christ persecuted, stoned to death, but yet he responded. He responded in love. And that became an image that just spoke and pricked his heart day after day until when he finally heard Jesus. He said, hey, Jesus said, hey, Paul, it's kind of hard to kick against the prick, isn't it? How long are you going to resist it? And finally, he bowed the knee and he said, Lord, what will you have me do? And he became the greatest apostle of all time. Because he saw a true disciple of Jesus that understood that persecution was part of the call. But a, a, a disciple that was full of faith, full of the spirit, and therefore responded in love. And because of that, it turned out. For a testimony. That's what happened to Paul when you read when he was in prison and he was guarded by the Roman guard. He said it had become a testimony. They now, all the guards know that I'm in prison because not, I'm not a bad guy, but because for the name of Jesus, it became a testimony. So I want this for the one minute that we have together. I want us to pray. Would that be okay? Yeah, I'm going to go and do it, sister. Let's just...
get our eyes before God and say, Father, thank you for your word. I heard, I believe, and I accept the challenge. I want to look like you, talk like you, act like you, and respond like you in the face of persecution. Thank you for showing me, teaching me, empowering me. I make a decision today that I will stand for the truth, that I will not draw back, shrink back, be silent, but I will speak out with boldness and courage. And in the face of persecution, I will lean and draw from your grace. A grace that will enable me to keep standing, to keep believing, and to keep loving my persecutor. So, Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you all.